Ooh. I brought him a coffee. I don't know if he'll want it, but. Hi, Kim. Hey, Wayne. I'm here with Ken. We're at the back of your building. Should we come around front? No, I'll come down and get you, okay? Oh, okay, sounds good. Okay, bye. You are now listening to Undercurrents. My name is Ken Ogasawara, and I'm part of the communications and community engagement team at Mennonite Central Committee in Ontario. This podcast is an experiment to find a new way to share the stories we are privileged to hear from our program participants, staff, volunteers, and others. Undercurrents is brought to you in part by Kindred Credit Union and the Kindred Charitable Fund, which seeks to inspire peaceful, just, and prosperous communities. This episode is about Wayne's World. I used to have a nickname they called me Cecil. Cecil? Yeah. Why Cecil? Well, uh... You're getting a little shy now, Wayne. Come on. (laughs) All right. Anyways, when I was younger, I was mostly... My body hadn't caught up to me. I had a really long neck. Okay. And there was a cartoon character on... uh, This is Wayne. He just turned 70. He's barrel-chested with a thick head of silver hair. And when he smiles, his eyes disappear. If I were an artist for Disney or Pixar, I would model a friendly giant type of character after Wayne. And as most anyone who has met him will agree, he's impossible not to like. Wayne has struggled with depression for much of his life, and in his early 60s, it cost him nearly everything. You know, one minute you're living, in a, you have a home, and you have a job, and then next time you have no job, you have no home, you have, it's just... Poof, you know, your whole life is just gone in a, in a short period of time, you know, it's really scary. If I had cancer or, or bad heart, the people would be more accepting of it. So you mental, mentioned mental illness, then all of a sudden they put the cross up like you're, you know, and then everybody, well, you know, you, they see people on TV, they're reading crazy. Wayne is a participant of Circle of Friends, an MCC Ontario program based in Waterloo Region that helps support folks who have transitioned out of homelessness into stable housing. If you haven't already, have a listen to the previous episode on homelessness and the Housing First initiative. To summarize, giving homeless folks housing first and then following up with service supports for mental and physical health, for addictions counseling, or employment training, gave folks a much better shot at staying housed and living a pro-social and healthy life. A growing body of research recognizes that healthy relationships and the feeling of community connectedness are essential to help people feel content and maintain their housing. This feeling of community is where Circle of Friends comes in. Circle of Friends matches volunteers from the community with folks who were previously homeless. This is called a circle. Each circle generally meets once or twice a week. Sometimes it's sitting down for a coffee and a chat. Maybe it's helping to run some errands or going out for a round of bowling. In addition, Participants and volunteers meet as a larger group for organized courses, like introduction to photography, healthy and easy cooking, gardening, and others that run for four weeks at a time. Back to Wayne. Wayne is a pioneer in Circle of Friends. For years, Circle of Friends served only women coming out of homelessness. But a few years ago, the program opened up to include men. Wayne was the first man. Anyway, so I went to the first, my first activity, and as I walked in the door, I couldn't see one male. And you know how suddenly people, the room was silent, and everybody looks at you? 
you know. <laughs> so anyways, so I, I said, well, this is a good spot for Mr. Spock to say that Wayne, you are about to go on a journey that no man has gone on before. <laughs> so, 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 so anyways, for the first little while, it was difficult, as I said. I mean, I literally had one lady tell me she didn't want me to be there, which was, you know, we can't get much more frank than that, you know. Right. And as I, I was determined that I was going to keep coming back because there was no way that they were going to, we'd get to know each other if I didn't come frequently, sure. you know. So I was like the bad penny. I showed up at every activity that, that they had just to show that, that I'm here. Sorry, <laughs> you know. But uh, I think I went to every activity there was except spa night. One of those activities was a talent show. Some played a song on a guitar. Others did some karaoke. Wayne went for the classic lip sync. He reminisced about it with Kim Walker, his friend and Circle of Friends staff member. What was the song again that you did at the talent show? You, you Needed Me. You Needed Me by Anne Marie? By Anne Marie, yes. I cried a tear. You did dry. And I rehearsed here for like, must, I had a. I had a big mirror here, but I had to move it because I had to put the microwave in. But I stood in front of the mirror with a comb with a brush and a microphone, and, I, and I'm ashamed to say, don't let me, but I had the wig on too, just to see how I looked. You know, I mean, this is, a lot of strange things happen when I'm alone here. <laughs> so, so anyways, yeah, so anyways, I... You had great I, stage presence. I could tell you had really rehearsed. I had rehearsed. I, you I, had, like, choreographed Yeah, I tried, I, tried to, in I tried the movement, you know, like, you know, yeah, you had some gestures. on high and, you know, and... Uh, so I thought that would add to it too. There's just so many people that I owe and I just not could be able to help them all or say thank to them all, you know? Right. So it was kind of a way of me saying or sharing with, you know, that I, how much I appreciated it and things like that, you know? Right. And, and uh, that was fun too. I kind of. I kind of got a little, little emotional. Nobody saw me, but I was kind of got a little teary-eyed when I was doing it as well, you know, because right. the impact of it was okay when I was doing it on my own, but the impact of being in front of everybody was had seemed to have a little more have a little more meaning because the people that helped you were actually were there, you know, and you just wondered if they knew what you were trying to say. When Wayne talks about being grateful for people's help, he's referring to a life-altering event that happened just months ago, and it involves his landlord and friend, Kathleen. I was not home the night of the fire, but my son was. I got a phone call at 1.20 in the morning. It was persistent phone calls, and I don't wake up well. And my son my son said, it's gone. I said, what? And he said, the house. I said, where did it go? I don't wake up well. And he said, it's on fire. It's burning now. And I said, are you okay? Is everybody okay? And he said, yes. He said, but the house is going. Everything's going. It's going now. And you're standing out, yeah, you're standing out at three o'clock in the morning in your pajamas with bare feet, nothing on, in a snowbank, waiting for, the, waiting for the fire department to come, you know? Then you think, well, geez, you're homeless again, Wayne, you know, you're, where you're gonna, <laughs> what's gonna happen now, you know? My roommates were so kind to me, they saw I had no shoes or no slippers, I'm standing in the snow. So they all take turns taking their coat off so I could stand on their coats in the snow so I wouldn't, so my feet wouldn't get cold. Them to do that was just really something very kind, you know. Wayne lost all of his worldly possessions in the fire, the most valuable being photographs of his sons. But later that night, Circle of Friends reminded him of what he still had. 
Peter. I don't, I don't know if you know Peter Mumford, but you know, I called him and, <clears throat> and at three in the morning, everybody else had gone because they all had family and friends in the area. And I was sitting in this big city bus all by myself. And I was looking down at the floor, you know, and I looked up and there was Peter. It was like, all of a sudden, like an angel all of a sudden appeared, you know. And he was, you know, it's, uh, you know, and then they took me in for two weeks and it was really, you really find out who your true, who your true friends are when something like that happens. As a young boy, Wayne's father was an important part of his childhood. Wayne's mother suffered from deep depression and was in and out of hospitals and spent a lot of time in bed. It was difficult for a kid that was just, you know, 12 or 13 not to understand why your mom was not that involved in your life, you know. So, and my dad sort of had to take over that. As a result, Wayne's father became his confidant, his mentor, and in his words, his rock. Wayne shared one story of his father from his childhood that still shapes him 60 years later. So, um, anyways, in the neighborhood there was this... Uh, Kid, he must have been thir- uh, maybe 12, but he had he liked trains apparently. But he was looking back now, I could see he was mentally challenged. And he had this big adult tricycle that he would pull a, a wagon behind mm-hmm. and stick a flag on, and he would ride through the suburbs making the noise of a train. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I, I, this is something I regret and I still do today. But anyways, I was out in front with my dad. He finished mowing the lawn, and I forget what I was doing. But Brian, his name was Brian, came down in front of our house. So I went up in the front of the lawn. Yeah. And I teased him mercilessly. I called him names, and I, like kids, can be really cruel, you know. Mm-hmm. And I regret that to this day that that I did that. Brian just kept right on going. He didn't bat an eye. He didn't say anything, you know. And my dad said, "Come on over here, Wayne. I want to just say something to you." So we sat in the stoop and just sort of looked at the ground for like two minutes, like he was trying to think of something to say. Mm-hmm. So uh, he looked up at me and said, "I'm so disappointed in you, Wayne." You know, I think you're going to Sunday school, at least you would have learned something about how to treat people, you know. Because of, this, of my disappointment and what you've done, you deserve a couple of consequences because I think this is a pretty cruel thing that you did. So your first consequence is you're going down to Brian's house alone. I'm not going with you. And you're going to talk to his parents and you're going to tell them what you said to Brian and you're going to apologize for that. But anyways, and then I had to speak to Brian and, and apologized to him about that and said, well, that's fine, I'm done now, it's all over with. So, so when I came back home, he said, well, now here's consequence number two. Starting Saturday morning, you're going to get on your bike and you're going to ride with Brian through the subdivision. You're going to ride with him everywhere. So Saturday, first Saturday morning, we went down to Brian's house with my bike. And away we went through the subdivision. So I'm running beside him, we come past these houses where were kids in the front of the house. And like I had done, the kids come out and they teased him mercilessly, called him things, terrible things. And, and the problem I had was that I couldn't say anything to him because the people that were doing it were my friends in the in subdivision. So you're at the quandary whether should, should you stick up for Brian and jeopardize your friendship with these people or just keep quiet and, and, and move on, you know. So I made the bad choice, I didn't say anything. I just. And, but he never batted an eye, he never said anything, he just kept right on going. On Sunday we did the same thing, we ran into the same thing again. The more time we spent with him, the more I learned to respect him. And his courage was unbelievable, like the, 
you know, after the harassing he took, the, every time he went through, he continued to do it every day. Like it was really, he knew it was ahead of him and things like that. You know? So I gave you so much respect for him for that. So by Sunday, Sunday afternoon, we'd done our trip. And we're back in front of his house. He said, Wayne, can you come in to him for, for a moment, for a little while, I want to show you something. He took me downstairs and they had, those houses that we lived in had huge basements. And I went downstairs and the whole basement was full of model train set. It was beautiful. It had cities and towns and mountains and grass and hills and people and flashing lights. It was amazing. It took actually two people to work the thing, you know. His dad came down, he was sort of like proud, like he said, well, like, I had nothing to do with this. Brian did all this himself. He even did the wiring underneath the table, eh? Which is amazing. You look under the table, like orange wires and red wires, hundreds and hundreds of them under there. He did all this himself. So I said, well, there's another thing I've learned about someone that, you know, despite their disability, everyone has a gift or, or enjoy something, you know. But I had a blast that day. Like, it was so much fun. And just for a moment, you forgot who he was. I mean, you shouldn't forget who, but the difficulties he had, he was just another guy, yeah. another person you were visiting and playing with. I stayed there for three hours. And, you know, it was, I had so much fun. I wish, you know, I could say I hung out with him after we did all this, but I didn't, because I had my own, my own friends. But, but at least we were talk, we would talk when he would go by and I would encourage him and things like that, you know, instead of, because I knew what he was facing. But thank you for telling that story, Wayne. I think it's beautiful. And I think that knowing you, you really learned your dad's lesson. Yes, yes. I see you in Circle of Friends. And some folks that, that are at Circles sometimes are really struggling and aren't always speaking in a low voice or patient or having their emotions under control. And yeah, you're yeah. always so patient with people and compassionate and give people the benefit of the doubt and you don't judge others. Like, I, the way that I see you in the world is beautiful. Wayne went on to have a rewarding career working with people with developmental challenges. But many years later, sitting outside a shelter in downtown Kitchener, the memory of Brian's lesson came back to haunt him. Sometimes I would sit, there would be a rock. You used to have a rock in front of the house there, and I would sit there in the summer and watch the traffic go by on Charles Street there. And people would, you could tell when they stopped how they, how they looked at you. How they, what they thought about you, you know? Like, you know, I've had people go by and tell me I should get a job and I'm, I'm this and I'm that, you know? And I said, well, you don't know me. I mean, I could be, you know, I just, you know, it was really a hard pill for me to swallow too to be, to be judged like that because nobody knows you and yet they consider you're a bum because you're living in a, in a shelter for a little while, you know? And you're not really, you know what I mean? So it sort of flashed me back to again with Brian where, you know, I judged him before I even knew him, but once I got to know him, then you, know, you sort of had a, a, you know, a feelings for him, you know? One last Wayne story. In preparation for his Circle of Friends talent show performance as Anne Murray, Wayne needed to dress up, literally. But how does a 70-year-old man go about dress and jewelry shopping? If you're Wayne, you bring a friend and make new ones while you're at it. So anyway, so, but then the ladies in the, in the village start seeing me trying these dresses on and they're getting kind of, kind of curious. So they, they were starting to come over and say, well, I think this, and they, we all go down to the ladies' dresses. I think this would look good on you. We got three or four people making. They had people picking out jewelry for me, and, and it was, we had like five ladies were there just helping me out, you know. 
it was painfully funny and I hurt, I laughed so hurt. And I have to thank you, Wayne, because I needed that. Light and fluffy. I so desperately needed some light and fluffy. And it's a very I, I'm not trying to paint my pictures of a wonderful person, but, but she, I mean, she's lost her home in 30 years, eh? Yeah. And all her stuff, she lost a lot more than any of us did. Right. And she's uh, just got over battling breast cancer on top of that. I thought, well, I'll, I'll, we'll go out and have some fun. I promise her we do that, but no. it was so nice to see her as uh, having a good time, yeah. just, for a couple, just for an hour or two. If you had seen Wayne sitting on that rock in front of the men's shelter, what would you have thought, if anything? Part of the tragedy of homelessness is that it's easier to turn a blind eye than acknowledging the truth that in a country, province, city, and community as wealthy as ours, people should not have to sleep on the streets or in shelters. But whatever you might have thought of Wayne sitting in front of the shelter, I guarantee you could not have seen Wayne the boy biking around with Brian, or Wayne the friend trying on dresses at the thrift shop to cheer up his landlady. It is a rare gift, an opportunity, to be able to see these deeper selves in strangers. And for that, I am deeply grateful to Wayne, who is no longer a stranger to me, or to you. Thank you, Wayne, for sharing your story so cheerfully, generously, and with great trust over many interviews this past year. May your circle of friends grow ever wider. I can't talk about Circle of Friends without acknowledging the incredible Circle of Friends staff at MCC. Katie Taylor, Deborah Moslehi, Cindy McRae, Reed Kennel, Pete Olson, and Kim Walker, who, through their work, inspire me to be a more generous and compassionate person. If you feel inspired to volunteer with Circle of Friends and make a huge difference in somebody's life, go to mcco.ca and search for Circle of Friends. They are always short of volunteers, and there is right now a waiting list of folks waiting for their own circle of friends to form. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please write to us at podcast.mcco.ca. Thank you to my assistant producer, Broderick Visser, for helping to pull all the pieces together for this episode. Our theme song and other original music is by the one and only Brian McMillan. A huge thank you to Kindred Credit Union, and the grant we received from the Kindred Charitable Fund for helping to bring these stories to life. The fund is one of the many ways Kindred Credit Union invests hundreds of thousands of dollars each year in communities across Ontario, inspiring peaceful, just, and prosperous initiatives that range from affordable housing to food security to refugee and newcomer supports. Finally, I would like to thank you for listening to Undercurrents. Please subscribe and like on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. I'm Kanagasawara. Have a great rest of your day.